show. Welcome back to the Golf Shop. Mark Greenhouse, Matt Blanchard, Liberty Bill. This segment's brought to you by Charlotte Comfort Systems, where your comfort is their business. Log on to charlottecomfortsystems.com, and don't forget Charlotte Comfort Systems has a best price guarantee. Also, a reminder that uh, golfnickers.com, the world's leading retailer in classic golf apparel, hit the website golfnickers.com, view the complete line of matching socks, caps, and shirts, from plaids to solids and diamonds, even at your favorite college or pro team. Maybe we can get some odds on if anybody will roll knickers out into uh, the PGA Championship. Maybe. So uh, as we go to our man, Jeff Feinberg, betting expert, the Pat Mayo Experience podcast on DraftKings, oddschecker.com. Man, he's everywhere. Yeah, he is. What's going on this morning, Jeff? I am I am doing well, guys. We've got quite a bit of time till uh, till tee off, but but I'm excited and doing well for a big weekend. What's the uh, What's the over under on time on How Tong Lee showing up to the golf course today after he spent like 62 hours there yesterday? <laughs> yes, that is a great question. I've already joked this morning that he might already be there at <laughs> Eastern uh, tea time. I- I have been told that he is a bit of a range rat, so it doesn't come as a bit of surprise. Uh, people reminded me that there was a, that, that incident at the Open Championship all those years ago where Spieth almost hit one out of bounds, essentially onto the driving range when he was up against Matt, uh, when he was up against Matt Kuchar, and it interfered with How Tong Lee's range session. <laughs> so he's no secret to insane range sessions, but... It was funny to see ESPN making making light of it, and I'd argue quite concerning. A player that scores that well shouldn't need to spend that much time on the facility after his round. I don't know. There's there's two trains of thoughts here, Jeff. Is that you know, as a golfer, I could totally see it. Like, what else is he going to do? I can't go hang out in San Francisco because I got to wander around with a mask on, or you know, not go into this place and not go into that place. So from a from a uh, a current situation pandemic standpoint i get it that he's like okay i'm just gonna st- i'm leading a golf tournament a major championship i'm just gonna hang out in the bubble but on the flip side of that i'm saying my god you can only you know mess around so much before it starts to wear you out a little bit and i know you know if, if he's back up there at like you know noon uh you know west coast time today i'm concerned about him yeah 100% and well it's easy to make jokes about the whole situation, ESPN sort of made it conducive as they kept like showing us him every 20 minutes at a different part of the facility. Let's not forget, he was out really early on Friday, guys, and doesn't tee off till 6 Eastern this evening. So almost to your original point, what is he supposed to do? There is so much time between his completion of his second round and his tee time on Thursday. Uh you know, it almost feels like, yeah, he has to get out and, and do and do something, and it's going to be a real long time until he would have hit a golf ball again, assuming he went under a normal routine for his final round. Sorry, his last group off tee time uh, today. Well, you know, if, if you look at the guy, his chances of picking up some American women at some bar isn't going to happen either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, who do you – Yeah, it's a lot of us I even like to joke because he's wearing that WeChat. Yeah, oh, no. right. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> issue in and of itself, and, and you almost wonder if there are some 
string puppet masters uh, demanding he stay out there even more. He's got a he's got an air he's got an AirPod in his ear, and, and today it'll be TikTok. So uh, on a, on his hat. So um, <laughs> who who are you? What are the odds on on Brooks Kepka, for instance? Uh, Brooks Kepka is sitting at about four five to one guys. Uh, I imagine the books are still taking a lot of action. Sure, he went off at ten to one to start the week. He's continued that great form from St. Jude last week. Uh, he's the guy to beat. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, we can kind of look through how Tong and see that list of players at six under with major championships like Jason Day, like Justin Rose, and some guys who've all been waiting to break through like a Tommy Fleetwood, like a Daniel Berger. But there is no doubt the class of this thing is absolutely Brooks Kepka. Yeah, yeah. You know, are there some people that you look at from a, you know, we, 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 I think people are maybe more familiar with horse racing. So, you know, we have the favorites and then we have the long shots. Um, when you start talking about who to look at and, and people where you can make some money on, do you kind of look in the middle of the road, maybe at like a, a Xander Shoffley or a, a Daniel Berger, guys that that are getting the seemingly are, are on the cusp of winning a major championship, but never seem to really get over that hump. Are those guys that you can look at to maybe make a little money on? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a little money on both of them, as well as uh, Tommy Fleetwood. History shows us. That first-time major winner, guys, usually cashes that ticket in like that 30 to 60 to 1 range. I know Xander got some really late popularity steam last week as he was a very popular player in that 20 to 1 range and get, got bet down pretty hard. But if you look at the collection of first-time major winners, that's where the number cashes. Even great players like Justin Thomas, he won that first PGA Championship at like 40 to 1. Bro, wow. for all we think about him right now, that first U.S. Open win came at 40 to 1. A guy like Daniel Berger went off this week at 40 to 1. Hmm. Fleetwood, 50 to 1. So that seems to be a very popular range, at least in my experience in getting into the golf betting. Uh, that is sort of where the first time major winners uh, seem to be cashing their tickets. It's a real big ask to ask a guy to win his first major at a number under 20 to 1. That is sort of where uh, Bryson DeChambeau and and John Rahm found themselves uh, this week. Since I've sort of been doing this, the only person to accomplish winning their first major under 20 to 1 has been Dustin Johnson mm. when he won that U.S. Open at Oakmont. Jeff, we were talking earlier um, about how Rory McIlroy absolutely can't play with Tiger Woods. Does does that factor in when, when you guys are setting odds uh, if you know that there's a guy that's paired with whoever uh, doesn't do well with that person, does that affect what the line might be? Uh, do you take that into like consideration Rory, at all? Yeah, hope you would hope a player like Rory is immune, yeah. to something like that. But he has vocally stressed that um, playing with Tiger cost him about a stroke. Now that that reference is always sort of made guys to like yeah. the galleries and the hustle and bustle of everything going around you when you're playing with Tiger. I would have thought this week, without the galleries, maybe Rory could have yeah. um, mentally avoided that sort of block. But he just doesn't seem all there. He, he's in a position, though, still to contend potentially, but something doesn't seem like it's clicking. And for a guy like Rory McElroy, who literally contends deep into a Sunday, at least one out of every three tournaments he's entered, he enters. It seems confusing why he hasn't uh, shown up yet. 
And you would think for a guy like that, uh, playing with Tiger, you got like 15-row deep galleries, you could save a couple wayward drives. But that really, I guess, hasn't been the case historically yeah. for Rory in his career. And to be honest, the lines also get fed on an event like this way before those T groupings are put out. And I didn't see much movement on, uh, on Rory's line. But, yes, to your point, it is something you need to be aware of. And as a golf fan, it seems like you, you're, you've per- you, your perception is accurate. Rory does absolutely struggle with Tiger Woods. Again, we're talking with Jeff Feinberg, DraftKings, and OddsChecker.com. And, you know, we, we pick on who we call the brand Bryson DeChambeau, uh, because you're ruining my brand. He sells, or his, you know, um, people when they they question him about things and cameraman. You know what was what was what was kind of the the betting on him coming into this? I mean, uh, this is a golf course that you know you got to get it in the fairway, and he has been hitting it long and straight. But when he hits it offline, man, it goes way offline. Yeah. Yeah, the thing with Bryson this week, guys, after he won in Detroit and sort of out of the. Um, the COVID break, he was sort of, he was unconscious and we were all mesmerizing that he actually got bigger and bigger and his odds to win this tournament got as low as about 12 to 14, one mm. to one in the lead up of it. As the week got here, people sort of felt it was probably too big of an ask. His number floated back up to about 18 to one. <laughs> the thing with Bryson that a lot of, you know, observers of the game are taking note of, as you mentioned is, you know, he had that great start at Colonial, at Heritage, out of Detroit. But those were courses that you could just bomb and gouge with very little penalty or penal situation if you miss your spot. We saw it Memorial for the first time, probably the toughest track these guys played. And then in, in Memphis at the WGC St. Jude, that once being wayward with your drives became far more penal, uh, Bryson began to pay the price. He's never finished T10 in a major but I actually think he's hitting and striking the ball well. And if someone is going to maybe make a charge, I could see Bryson, not going to lie today, uh, getting out there, going pretty low, and giving himself a pretty decent spot heading into Sunday. But you're not wrong. For as long as he can hit it, uh, this rough, it's so thick, and it seems to be even thicker the closer you are to the fairway that I've noticed players are getting better opportunities when they actually hit it wider. Uh, because the worst rough seems to be right off the fairway. Mm-hmm. And if you almost go wide of that, uh, I've been seeing guys get to the green uh, with a lot of situations. But I'm actually high on Bryson to have quite a low day today and maybe even get himself right into this mm-hmm. thing. What do you think are some of the best prop bets today in round three? Uh, is it uh, certain players? Is it where the, the score is at the end of the day? And uh, and on top of that, where do you think uh, – what's what's kind of the line on where this uh, score to, to re- relation to par is going to end up for the winner? Uh, a couple props that I'm betting today. I, I've decided to play a uh, Tony Finau over Bud Colley matchup i've had to lay about mm-hmm. 60 cents juice on that so it comes at a bit of a price and i played over how tong lee's score of uh of 71 so that mm-hmm. would require him to be worse than one over today so it shows you what i think uh how tong lee is going to do on the golf course um today and i missed the second part of the question uh, Sorry, is, is there anything on what the final score is going to be this is the best part about it. I don't. I haven't seen a prop as to what the final score would be. Historically, the US, uh, the PGA of America, unlike the USGA guys, as we've seen, they don't like to be nearly as diabolical 
but they like to be fair and put those pins at a real, you know, a real testy situations for the guys. The weather in San Francisco back this course this weekend will allow the PGA of America and the course superintendent to set this thing up however they want. Yeah. If they want to water the grass or water the greens, they can. If they want to make cuts to some of the rough areas, they can. If they want to just leave it and let it bake and let it grow, they can. They're not getting any rain. Uh, they can do what they want. And history has shown us the PGA of America is pretty uh, excels at these sorts of setups. When they are sort of the master of the show, they make it fair, they make it hard. And I, um, I still see that winning score coming in at 8-12. to 12. It'll be interesting to see how, with the, later, with the leaders teeing off so late, we've seen the guys coming in with their rounds at the end of the day with those wins and the big greens. Uh, it could be pretty dicey for the leaders. And coming into Sunday, guys, the conditions those leaders are playing uh, could be pretty treacherous. So, so this tournament is, is far from over. Uh, no one's calling it over. We're all excited with that leaderboard. But there are so many variables as to how this thing can play out. All right. Well, Jeff, remind everybody where they can go to get into the action. Uh, yes. Uh, check me out. We'll be doing a recap and previewing. I know we'll be off a major into the Wyndham Championship, but we'll be doing our Wyndham Championship show next week and all the Wyndham content with uh, Pat Mayo over at DraftKings, and you can check out for my videos at, uh, at oddschecker.com uh, and, and on Twitter. Awesome, man. We appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jeff. All the best, boys, and enjoy it. Okay.